Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program, episode 351. Coming at you live with my man, Dweez Nuts. Dweez, how you feeling, brother? Um, yeah, I've had better days. My car's in the shop. My kids' school buses aren't running. Um, I had to go to the fucking dentist today. It's not It's not my favorite day, but we're about to turn it around because this next hour or so is going to be a fucking blast. Dude, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm- Sorry that you haven't had the best day, but I do know, I do know that you and I are both pretty jacked for this particular episode. I hope, uh, I hope when the, you know, when the numbness wears off, this adds a little bit of soothing nature. Um, Our, you know, our kids aren't even back to school yet. So there is no school buses in the Pacific Northwest. It's all homeschooled. So my girl's home safe. We did get a sprinkling of snow, which is not common in the Pacific Northwest. You live in the upper Midwest where snow is pretty much your life for half the year. Are you uh, pretty buried at this point? Yeah, we, you know, they were calling for seven inches or so last night. We we got like four, um, but it's, it's the perfect amount, right? Four inches, not too bad to shovel plenty to play in we can make the snowmen so it was a perfect amount of snow this one of course the next time it hits it'll be 10 and then we'll be all (laughs) so so it's fun at this point but it doesn't quite uh slow everything down yeah in the pacific northwest man we don't get snow we don't have plows we literally have no plows in (laughs) in eugene where i live so it literally snows two or three inches maybe once or twice a year everything shuts down so it's COVID anyway so everything shut down anyway but uh kid you know kids don't go to school weekends are closed people don't go to work for like two or three inches and people all over the country laugh at us we have to realize most of the people that live here are from california washington or or hawaii and uh can't drive in the snow regardless so it's just better off that we stay off the roads i digress all right man this is going to be an awesome episode we have officially reached the pro bowl week now on another season this would be an awesome week to preview the pro bowl game reach out to all the players i mean really start you know having some fun with these guys who have, you know, got another year of uh, excellent accolades for themselves. But due to COVID, there will not actually be a Pro Bowl game this year. So we're not even going to worry about that. We are going to break down and recap quickly the two games in the NFC and the AFC championship game, Buccaneers over the Packers, Chiefs over the Bills. Preview quickly the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks, Buccaneers and Chiefs. Of course, the OG Brady going for his 10th, uh, Super Bowl appearance, potentially a seventh win. And of course, Patrick Mahomes looking for back to back. And we will get into that deeper next week with a full Super Bowl preview week. But this week for Pro, uh, Pro Bowl, it's a little more lax for us. We're able to have a little more fun. So today we're going to be breaking down the AFC NFC championships and we are going to be delivering our favorite dream fantasy team of all time. So 
you and I have been playing for, I mean, 15 plus years in fantasy football. So we have some older names that people listen to this podcast probably don't even remember a, or if they do, they think of them as maybe like, Oh geez, maybe they remember one good season or whatever you and I remember five, six, seven. So, you know, before Patrick Mahomes, before Todd Gurley, uh, you know, before DK Metcalf, um, before Travis Kelsey, there were some other animals in fantasy football as well. So we're going to pay homage to some of our favorites in the second half of the episode. Very, very much looking forward to that. Tomorrow is another fun episode. You're going to be jumping on and kind of explaining the stat rat process for viewers who have been with us all season long. Of course, Dweez was breaking down stat rat episodes every Tuesday throughout the entire season. Um, you're going to be breaking down kind of like the explanation of how you go about it, some other things. Can you give us maybe a 30-second sneak peek on what you'll be delivering on that stat rat explanation episode? Sure. So we got some questions in. I don't know where they came from. You sent them to me. But, uh, you know, we look at, like, what websites do I like to use to get uh, my statistics? Where do I pull that stuff from? I'm going to break down a, a fairly detailed, maybe even too detailed process of, like, how do I start – Sunday night, go into Monday, what are the steps I take to find those sort of diamond in the rough statistical anomaly guys? Um, I, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite stat rats I've ever done, some of the ones that were really tough for me that, you know, eat a little bit of crow, but uh, going to be a going to be a cool show, sort of just a pull the curtain back behind the scenes deal and uh, show the people all the cards for for a little bit. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I learned a lot on those stat right episodes. Of course, you've been doing them solo all season, so it's not me doing them with you. So I listen to them after the fact and always learn uh, a handful of nuggets. So I'm excited to learn about that process, how you get into that. And of course, the viewers will find that out as well. And then we will be going, uh, jumping in with Lucas um, later in the week to break down his R, basically zero RB approach this season. He was super high on it this year. He was touting it all off season. Everybody was go running back, running back, running back. Lucas was kind of zagging when everyone zigged and he uh, went pretty heavy on the zero RB method. So he's going to be breaking that down. I'll be with him and we'll kind of be talking about how that worked out. And then Bobby LaMarco will be on as well to again, quickly kind of preview the Super Bowl ish, but also jump in and do um, our ideal kind of, uh, you know, perfect mock draft. I've done one with Dweez. I did one with Lucas. We're going to do one with Bobby as well. And that'll get us through this week. And then of course, next week we'll start previewing Super Bowl 55. All right, Dweez, let's jump into this, man. We got two games here. So obviously not much to cover, but I do want to recap these here. Buccaneers get the big win, arguably upset. Uh, with Tom Brady in the playoffs and certainly going for Super Bowl. I'm not sure him beating any team, even the Chiefs in two weeks, would be an upset per se, but on paper, certainly an upset. Buccaneers get to win 31-26 over the Packers. Tom Brady, 280-3, and three, also threw three picks. None of them were even close. They were very uncharacteristic interceptions for Tom Brady. Nonetheless, Packers could not necessarily uh, benefit from those. Aaron Rodgers on the other side, 346 and three, uh, but that costly interception as well. And of course, Packers go for it uh, or don't go for it, I should say. At the end of the game, they kick the field goal. Brady runs out the clock. C'est la vie but the Packers did have a chance to win it. Aaron Rodgers essentially had a chance to potentially run it in for the game winner. The rest is history. We'll never know, but unfortunately it uh, didn't work out for the Packers. 
In the run game, Leonard Fournette, 12 for 55 and a touchdown. Not much for Ronald Jones, just 10 for 16. On the other side, Aaron Jones, 6 for 27. Could not get him going. A.J. Dillon looked pretty good, but just three carries for him. Receiving-wise, Godwin, 5 for 110. Evans, Scotty Miller, and Cameron Braid all had touchdowns for the Buccaneers. On the other side, Marcus Valdez-Scantling leads the Packers in receiving yards and has a touchdown, 115 and 1. Devontae Adams. Nine for 67 and one, 15 targets, but six missed opportunities there. And Alan Lazard, three for 62. Robert Tunyon also has a receiving touchdown for the Packers. So, Dweez, we watched this first game here in the conference championship. Again, it, it looked like the Packers were rolling. Uh, you know, they looked good, but the Buccaneers led 21-10 at halftime. And Packers had a good showing in the third quarter, 13 points to seven, two field goals, in the fourth quarter, but uh, the Buccaneers defense showed up a lot better than I thought they were going to. Yeah, there's a, a few things I really want to point out here. Um, if if you watch the game, it felt like one of these games where it was very one-sided and that side just kind of swapped back and forth. But overall, really, a really well-balanced game, actually. Okay, so a couple of things we said the last time we talked and, and sort of did a, a soft dive preview on this. We said things like big plays are going to be important for these two big play teams. Well, each team had five plays over 20 yards, right? So that happened. Uh, four of the seven touchdowns scored were 15-yard plays or more. Uh, sure, three of those were touchdowns for Tampa Bay, only one for Green Bay, but lots of big plays here. You know, we said that there were going to be some key matchups, Mike Evans and Jair Alexander, who he didn't shadow him all game, but he was there a lot. Uh, and it was uh, Devontae Adams versus Carlton Davis. Again, not shadowed the whole game. But uh, I, I think we said whoever wins those matchups is going to give themselves a good chance to win. Well, in the first half, Mike Evans wins, right? Two of three, 42 and a touchdown, shut out in the second half. And in the first half, Devontae Adams, three of six, 24 yards, almost nothing, but comes back with his six of nine for 43 and a touch in the second half. So they kind of swapped back and forth as well. Uh, you know, I was also surprised that um, the Tampa Bay defense got after Aaron Rodgers quite as well as they did five sacks in this game. You know, Green Bay only had three multi-sack games against them all year long. Uh, now four and two of them were against Tampa Bay. Shaq Barrett had three sacks on his own. First time that's happened in a conference championship game since 1993, by the way. Uh, big, big day, but Green Bay's defense answered, right? Three interceptions on three consecutive drives in the second half. So it was a lot of back and forth to me. Both teams had really good things going on what it really comes down to is you know you said it first and goal from the eighth at the end of the fourth quarter there three incomplete passes in a row uh, and then the field goal uh, but it also happened in the second quarter middle of the second quarter first and goal from the six for green bay three incomplete passes in a row all to Devonte adams ended in a field goal those two possessions were the difference in that game and i know people are really pissed that matt lafleur didn't go for it on fourth down at the end of the game there but I think the bigger problem is that they called all six of those plays that were incomplete. So there were only there were only two and a half different plays called. One time he looked away from Devontae Adams, but it was the same play call over and over and over. And that was to me the big problem in that game. I agree. Do you um it, you know, it's all hindsight. So obviously it didn't work out. The Packers lost, so he looks like a bozo. Obviously, yeah. if they if they score, if Rodgers either runs it or Devontae Adams pulls it down and they score, they let's 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 remember here. They also had to get a two-point conversion. So even if they get the touchdown, there's no guarantee they get that. Let's say they do, and let's say they go on to win this game. It looks like the great the, the greatest call. They had four timeouts left. Uh, well, 
three timeouts plus a two-minute warning. They did have a chance to get the ball back, and they stopped him but had a penalty. The game went on. Do you agree with the call in the moment, not the result, obviously? Do you agree with the call in the moment? Uh, you know, you always those are always a, a, a roll of the dice, but if you're watching that second half of that game, the Green Bay defense had Tom Brady's number for most of it, and I think that has to come into play, right? Like you said, we've got the timeouts. We can play a little defense, get the ball back. And, and again, most of the second half, Brady struggled. Um, the defense had had the whole offenses, all of Tampa Bay's number. So, you know, if you look at all the pieces together, I think he made the right call because the way the game, sure, Aaron Rodgers is there and he can score on any given play, but I think he made the right call. You know, take a, take some points, kick it away, give yourself a chance if you can stop him. To, to win with a touchdown on the next drive, because again, Aaron Rodgers can score at any time. Really, it was just a defense. Um, like you said, the penalty there, it just, just kind of let him down. For the first time really in the second half, Tom Brady was able to put the drive together long enough to, to ice it. But I think it was probably the right call. I agree, actually. I do agree. Um, and it was really disappointing that the Packers just couldn't run the ball. Aaron Jones seemed to seem to be stuffed and then injured early, but Jamal Williams has been playing well. Uh, AJ Dillon, obviously was doing well. He had a beastly run. So to throw the ball six times within the 10 yard line. I mean, I understand Devonta Adams is, you know, arguably the best receiver in the league right now. And Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP. I get all that. But how about a couple, you know, maybe a run on first down, opening up a play action to get elsewhere, just try to mix it up a little bit. I know the Bucs are very good against the run, but still, that I had more of an issue with the play calling prior to the play call, right? Like yeah. the play call resulted in crunching numbers quickly. The analytics tell you to, to kick it, get the ball back, blah, 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 which they had a chance to do, yada, yada. I was more kind of disappointed in like what led to all that personally. So... I agree, but huge, uh, definitely an upset with the Packers being favorites at home and uh, Rodgers hosting his first NFC championship game. We'll see there's talks that he may be out of Green Bay. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but they did draft Jordan Love in the first round. We'll see what happens. We're a long way from that, but turmoil certainly in Green Bay, but uh, the Buccaneers, man, wow. Tom Brady switches, goes down the East Coast, ends up in Tampa Bay and looking to host a Super Bowl for the first yeah. time ever. Great. That's pretty incredible. Let's move but on to the gonna, AFC they're gonna be, Go They're going to be the away team too, aren't they? That's the crazy part because they the top seed the home team here. They they will. So technically, technically on paper, they won't host it as the home team. They'll be wearing the road whites, yeah. uh, but it's in their stadium. So my wife I, asked, my wife asked us if we're going to make him make the Bucks use the away locker rooms. I thought that was a really hilarious question. Obviously, totally. No, no, you wouldn't. But um, and and I always be careful about talking about baseball on this podcast because for some reason fantasy football people either love baseball like <laughs> I do or they absolutely despise it. But I will say, when World Series happens, um, d- depending on the stadium and and how things are going in the series and whatever, oftentimes you'll have the home team in the in the road locker room and vice versa. So like that has happened in pro sports for sure uh, when you're playing in your stadium, but you're actually the away team. Um, I don't know that it'll happen in this case, especially with COVID, to be honest with you. I don't think so um, because they already have their own germs in one locker room. Might as well not worry about that, but uh, that's a good, that's a great point. I'm not sure what they're going to do there, but either way, the Buccaneers are essentially playing a home game. So we'll see what happens there. 
Okay, let's move on to the AFC side here. Uh, the afternoon game, um, of course, the Chiefs pull away. Eventually, the Bills had a chance to be up 10-0 at the end of the first quarter. They missed an extra point. Um, and it just the Chiefs start running after that. 21-3 to in the second quarter, 10-3 to in the third quarter, and the Chiefs just kind of coasted from there. 38-24. Obviously, the story of this game was kicking field goals instead of touchdowns. And look, they wouldn't have necessarily scored on every one of these plays, but you know, Twitter was exploding. Every time they kick a field goal, Twitter was like, okay, well, that's another lost opportunity. You're not going to beat the Chiefs with field goals. Obviously, that was the case. I will say the Bills lost this game, but they looked very, very good. And we all know the Bills lost four in a row in the early 90s. They were arguably the best team in the NFL every year, and they happened to lose the last game of the season. The Bills are legit. They're on the rise. Great young quarterback. Stephon Diggs is the truth. They can get a running back and a running game in general. I like their chances moving forward. The only problem is they still have Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 to 15 years. All right, so Josh Allen, 287-2, and two, does have a pick, sacked four times for a loss of 53 yards. That's obviously devastating. One of those was like 21 yards or something ridiculous. It was a silly kind of a rookie move, but nonetheless, he got thrown down way deep after a nice big play. Patrick Mahomes, 325 and three, no picks um, and a sack for no loss, but uh, Patrick Mahomes doing his thing. Running. Um, of course, Josh Allen also led the uh, Bills in rushing as well. Seven carries for 88 yards. Singletary, 17 yards. TJ Yeldon, 15 yards. Um, and obviously, Zach Moss out. On the other side, Daryl Williams, 13 for 52 and a touchdown. Michael Hardman had a 50-yard score, which is a big one for him. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, six for seven yards, but did have the touchdown. Receiving-wise, Beasley, seven for 88. It comes out that he was playing on basically a broken fibula in his leg, uh, but he played through the it played through the game, nine targets, seven catches, 88 yards, no score, but played very, very well. Stephon Diggs, six for 77. Nice 34-yard game for him. Dawson Knox, kind of my sleeper in the flex position for my DFS team for no cost at all. Six for 42 and one. Nice little gem there. On the other side, Tyreek Hill, nine for 172. 71-yard catch, 11 targets. Travis Kelsey, 13 for 118 and two. 17-yard was his long, but didn't matter. He had 15 targets. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are the first duo in NFL history to have back-to-back each player with back-to-back over 100-yard receiving efforts in uh, the playoffs in NFL. Byron Pringle had a sighting here, three for 22, and Michael Hardman had a receiving score as well. So, look, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I did think the Bills had a chance in this one. Um, I picked them in our in our kind of in-house TCK pick them pool just to try to get something different in case it was the upset. But, uh, man, the Bills had a chance, man. But once, once they didn't come out of the first quarter with full points – um KC got the ball 21 points later and all of a sudden they're up 21 12 at half and it was pretty much over from there yeah you know I also picked Buffalo to win this game in that pool and and part of it for me was um you know late right before the game started um news come out that Mahomes was going to be playing on a uh, turf toe issue on his left leg so not his plant leg so it's not that big of an issue but I already had some concerns about him and him into that pinched nerve um, and that that per, per concussion protocol thing that he went through earlier in the week. But uh, turns out it wasn't a problem, right? Turns out it wasn't a problem at all because it, Kansas City just is Kansas City. They did what they do. Um, you know, I think both Kelsey and Tyreek Hill set records in this game, most catches in, most yards. We said when we talked last time 
you know, Buffalo's struggles against the tight end might be the story of this game. Well, 118 yards and two touchdowns for Kelsey. That's the difference in score, right? The two touchdowns is the difference. But but these two guys, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey could probably win games on their own. Give them five guys up front and nobody else, and they could they could probably win games. Surprisingly, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs on the defensive side of the ball, like their, their man-to-man coverage was absolute blankets all over the field all game long. Josh Allen was thrown into just as many red jerseys as he was um, blue all day long, hit 10 times in the game uh, to go along with those four sacks. On defense, Kansas City got it done, slowed down that Bills offense and Josh Allen, what he can do. Obviously, no team could could run the ball at all. I think, you know, one thing that I was kind of concerned about watching this game, or, or I walk away saying, you know what, this, this might have something to do with the losses, the play calling for Buffalo. I don't think personally um, they use Josh Allen's legs enough. I think there probably should have been a lot more boot action and moving pockets for him early on in the game. And once the pressure started, you know, if I'm calling plays on that team, I get him moving really quickly uh, to, to kind of alleviate some of that. But we didn't see that. That's okay. I think Stephon Diggs had a few chances to make a couple of big plays on some tough catches. He's done it all of his career, and ju- he just couldn't come up with those catches in this game. I think that was another big part of this. Um, but really, it, I mean, all, all of this is just to say that when Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey are all on the same page, they are impossible to stop. Um, so if you don't score a touchdown on every drive, it's it's just not going to happen, and it just wasn't going to happen for anybody but those three guys in this one. That's right, and of course they have arguably the best play caller of all time calling plays as yeah. well, which of course helps. So you have the talent on the field, but you also have the brain behind the microphone in Patrick Mahomes' helmet as well. So Chiefs are incredible, back for their second uh, consecutive Super Bowl, of course, last year. Uh, my boy Jimmy Garoppolo hands them the Super Bowl there uh, on the overthrow. And then, of course, uh, we leave Tyreek Hill wide open for some reason. And the 49ers fall short. But um, look, Tom Brady, again, uh, it's love him or hate him, doesn't matter. Uh, I've gotten to the point in my my old age here where I, first of all, don't hate players. The only hate players I, I hate and don't like and root against are the asshole type players, the guys like Vontez Perfect and shit who are just dicks. And I can't like Bill Romanowski back in the day, guys like that who are just grumpy, you know, negative people in general who are out there to hurt people and play the game the wrong way. I don't root for them. Other guys like the best player on the other team that we're going to play. Of course, I don't want them to do well that game. But I don't root against people. Um, Tom Brady, man, has been absolutely phenomenal to watch, you know, basically my entire life of watching football for 20 years go into his 10th Super Bowl. And if you haven't seen this stat yet, I have to share it. So I'm a Golden State Warriors fan as well from the Bay Area, of course. We had a nice run there before, uh, you know, Clay went down and KD left. But um, it came out that percentage-wise, and this is ridiculous, obviously, but percentage-wise, Tom Brady has a better percent chance to play in a Super Bowl than Steph Curry has to make a three-pointer. So <laughs> basically Tom Brady has been in a Tom Brady has been in a Super Bowl 48% of his seasons and Steph Curry's uh, three percentage is 43%. So technically <laughs> Tom Brady yeah. has a higher percent chance to be in a Super Bowl than uh, Steph Curry has 
to make a three-pointer. And we all know that Ray Allen's the only one left for Steph Curry to pass up. Uh, he should in the next year and a half, uh, assuming he stays healthy, become the best uh, three-point shooter of all time. So it just tells you in perspective how great Tom Brady and, of course, the defenses and the coaching and his other players and kickers. I hear all the arguments. I get it. Enjoy greatness. All right. I wasn't the biggest Peyton Manning fan, but when he left the game, it felt a little empty for a little bit. Drew Brees is going to be gone. Philip Rivers is gone. Big Ben might be gone. A lot of these guys are, you know, leaving the game and uh, they've been a pillar of the sport for a very long time. So just kind of swallow your shit for a minute and enjoy great players. All right. Sorry, man. I had to get on my hot, uh, soapbox there. I just get so tired of people just being negative to be negative, but I'm over you know that. What, you know what, Sky? I think I think some of that revolution of yours comes with age because you know I used to I used to be fully in the I hate Tom Brady camp, but as I've aged, I kind of I've come around to the same conclusion as you. Like I get to watch this guy play football. Um, I I can remember some of the Peyton Manning Tom Brady games, and and late in Peyton's career, I started to appreciate just the fact that I get to watch these two guys breeze and and obviously it wasn't a great game with Breeze and Brady in this last one, but you get to watch these guys play football, and um, they're they're going to be some of the greats that ever play the game. So I'm with you. I I totally agree. The only one dude that I disagree. And I don't know if I disagree. I don't know what you think of him, but uh, I, I can't get behind Big Ben. I have a personal grudge against Ben Roethlisberger. A short aside, I'm gonna tell you why. I went to Bowling Green State University. Uh, Urban Meyer came to BG when I was there my junior year. We were uh, we were a top 12 team in the nation, primed to break into the top 10 and bust the BCS until the last game of the season. We played Big Ben from Miami of Ohio and he just absolutely destroyed us. Two weeks later, we played him in a MAC championship. He destroyed us again and nobody's heard from BG football again. Uh, it was the best year of my life and he ruined it for me. We had uh, a game day come to my campus that year, which was maybe the best day or two or three days of my life. But uh, personal vendetta, I'll never appreciate that man. Um, not to mention his off field stuff, but yeah, the greats like Brady, just gotta, just gotta love, just gotta watch and enjoy. Respect, I appreciate that. All right, shouts out to the Chiefs, shouts out to the Buccaneers, Mahomes, Brady, everybody wanted it. And whether you didn't, whether you wanted it or not, that's what the NFL wanted, and it worked out. So uh, I think the only people upset about this may, might be the uh, State Farm team. But other than that, Mahomes, <laughs> Mahomes, Brady, Super Bowl Fifty Five coming up in two weeks. We'll get into that next week. Dweez, we are going to jump into our dream fantasy team, all time team. But before that, before that, we got to give a shout out to the Jersey Jungle. You know how we do this. Check this out. You mentioned last time we talked about this, that you have a Walter Payton jersey, which is, you know, arguably one of the, you know, top five running backs of all time, for sure. Maybe top 10 NFL players of all time. I have to give you a, a just a, you know, kind of a shout out. You know, I'm a 49er fan. I'm very open about that. You're a Bears fan. You're open about that. I happen to have myself a signed Gale Sayers jersey oh. as well. So I do, I, I have been collecting running back, specifically running back jerseys since I was like 10 years old and I was able to get and come across a Gail Sayers jersey, rest in peace, of course, um, recently, but I got a signed Gail Sayers jersey. Now, that jersey was a little more expensive than I would have wanted to pay if it wasn't a Hall of Famer, but I paid up for it. The best news is if I want another uh, Gail Sayers jersey that isn't signed that I could actually wear outside of my house. I can go to Jersey Jungle and get that jersey for 60 bucks. 
If I go on to NFL.com and get that jersey, it's about 120. So I'm probably going to hit up Jersey Jungle. These are super clean and crisp jerseys, just like the game-worn jerseys you see on the field from your favorite players. So if you're looking for a Bucks jersey, if you're looking for a Chiefs jersey in the Super Bowl, or if, look, Bill's Mafia, hell of a season. Green Bay Packers, legendary franchise, hell of a season. If you want to pay homage to your guys that got you at least this far, go to Jersey Jungle. Check them out. That's on Instagram, at the Jersey Jungle. If you're still looking to rep your favorite player from your fantasy team that got you that hashtag TCK title, like I did a couple of weeks ago, I got my man Justin Herbert, got that baby blue LA Chargers jersey, 60 bucks. It was even cheaper because I use the code TCK and I got 10% off of that single jersey. I could also get 10% off of two jerseys and 15% off of three jerseys. Dwayne, you've said it multiple times. Let me know which three jerseys you're going to be putting your money down on here with the code TCK, 15% off of three jerseys from Jersey Jungle. Who are the top three jerseys you're looking to invest in right now? Dude, you can't argue this. It's the it's the perfect call for this three-pack, man. You get Antonio Gibson, you get Terry McLaurin, you get Chase Young, three young studs on the Washington football team. There will never be a Washington football team again. There will never be a Washington football jersey without a, a uh, insignia for whatever mascot they come up with. Go buy these three studs who are going to be great for a long time coming on a jersey that will never exist again go invest in that why wouldn't everybody go buy that right now with this code i think that's an excellent call and again you're 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 hanging on to those those could be keepsakes maybe you're not even a washington football team fan but as you mentioned that they were come up with a different name washington football teams just because they couldn't daniel snyder couldn't get his you know words out of his mouth quick enough when he got busted for so much other shit that's another guy i can't stand anyway make sure you go to instagram Hit up at the Jersey Jungle. Reach out to them. Tell them Sky and Dweez from TCK sent you. Use the code TCK. 10% off one jersey. 10% off two jerseys. 15% off of three jerseys. They're already 60 bucks. You're talking like $150 or less for three jerseys. They also do basketball, soccer, baseball, hockey, custom jerseys. Hit them up at the Jersey Jungle on IG. All right, Dweez, the moment we've all been waiting for. Or at least the moment that you and I have been waiting for for the last couple of weeks while we've been putting these teams together. Here's what we're going to do. So, again, you and I have been playing 15 plus years. So, we have a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, experience with some of these players here. We're going to go through and we have an expanded roster because we're obviously not playing with this team. We just want to mention these guys. So, we've come up with two quarterbacks, four running backs, six receivers two tight ends, a DST, and a kicker. We didn't do a setting, but let's just say it's PPR for fun, happy PR, whatever you want. doesn't really matter for this. And basically, we're just going to go back and forth. I'm going to give you a quarterback. You're going to give me a quarterback. We're going to vice versa and go through it. And we're just going to give you some of our all-time favorite fantasy football players. This could have been one year that helped us win a championship. It could have been the, the legacy of this player throughout their entire career. So maybe they weren't on Super Bowl winning teams. Maybe they weren't uh, us, you know, uh, getting the accolades personally through the NFL because of their team and things. But in fantasy, they were absolutely a top pick. They were somebody on your teams that, you know, you could kind of set and forget. So I'm super excited about this. Dwayne, is there anything else you want to mention about this or what your mindset was going in? Maybe some challenges. I mean, you're talking all time, right? I mean, I took it back to about the year 2000. 
So we're not talking all time, all time. Like, you know, I don't have a Walter Payton, Gale, Sarasbury, Sanders on this team, which they would obviously make it. I went to about 2000. How far back maybe did you go overall? And what were maybe some challengers or some fun things you came across before we uh, give up these rosters here? The obvious challenge for me, I, I went back further. I think the the um, oldest guy on this list that I have played in the 40s. So I went back a ways, um, 80 years, in fact. But uh, the challenge was just, you know, the, the NFL changes over time. And like the offense, the way the offense is played in the NFL right now is nothing like it was played, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So so guys from those eras obviously don't have the statistical backgrounds that guys that we see playing today just because you don't throw it 650 times in 1980 right so um i tried to translate some of that and say look we only played 12 games in these seasons um and this is what these statistics look like and i tried to ask myself what would they look like if they played in today's game to 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 level the playing field for everybody because I didn't want to dismiss everybody that played before the NFL looks like it does today. Does that make any sense to you? 100%. And that is, that is what I've been kind of screaming from the rooftops. When you take a guy like, you know, now it's everybody's compared to Tom Brady. Well, when Tom Brady was coming up, when Brett Favre was, you know, Brett Favre and all these other guys, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana was the guy, right. And Tom Brady kind of took care of him and now it's Tom Brady. And look, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be the next Tom Brady. Look, Patrick Mahomes minimum has to play eight more seasons. He just has to play eight more seasons. Then he has to go to Super Bowls eight more times. Then he has to win at least five or six more of those to be considered in Tom Brady's category. So to compare guys from different eras to me has always been ridiculous. It just doesn't make sense. So some of these guys, you're mentioning guys in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, totally different football than the current time frame. So I'm glad you went back that far. I went back to about the 2000s and middle school, high school for me when I started playing football. And um, I had a lot of these guys' jerseys and things. So we'll get through it, man. I'm really, really excited about this. Let's get right into it. We got a lot of names to cover. You, I'll let you go first, my man. Who is your, who is your first quarterback? Again, we have two quarterbacks each. You can think of it super flex or not. We're not really doing that. It's just two quarterbacks you want to mention. And then we do have kind of a list of some um, uh, honorable mentions, if you will, as well. So, Dweez, all-time fantasy dream team, who is your number one quarterback? All right. I, I don't know if you did this, but I have like a couple of bullet points underneath each guy, which just explaining why I put him on here. But the the first name that came to mind when I started doing this whole list Okay, forget positions. The first name that popped into my mind when you when you gave me this idea was Dan Marino. He's my first quarterback on this list for a few reasons. So he's another one of these guys that played before, you know, the NFL is what it is today. But, uh, you know, you don't you didn't really see uh, uh, 40 yard, 40 fucking touchdowns, 50 passing touchdown games. But Dan Marino was sort of an exception. He's the only guy in the top 10 passing yard seasons, not from the 2010s okay the only guy in the top 10 he's the only guy in the top 25 most passing yards in a season that didn't play in the 2000s right so he sort of stood apart statistically um, in his era he was throwing it way further than everybody else um, only guy in the top 10 passing touchdown seasons not from 2000 as well and he's in there two times i mean that didn't happen back then uh, the way he was chucking the ball he does have more than 40 yards or 40 touchdowns twice 
in his career. Only Breeze, Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Dan Marino can say that they've thrown 40 touchdowns in a season more than one time, okay? Only those four guys did it twice, and three of them did it in the 2000s when everybody was chucking the ball all over. Dan Marino stands out to me as a guy who was just nuts statistically. And, and you know what? You lose points when you get sacked. This motherfucker never went down. He had the best sack percentage in the league on 10 separate seasons. Seven years in a row, he was sacked um, less than anybody else in the league. He was a great, he would have been anyway, if I played back then, a fantastic fantasy quarterback. Couldn't leave him off. That is a great, great call. Again, I went back to 2000. Dan Marino had retired just before that. Frankly, started in 84, of course, his rookie season. Takes the Dolphins all the way to the Super Bowl. My Niners, thankfully, took care of that. He never went back, unfortunately. But he is up in that kind of, uh, you know, uh, Mount Rushmore, if you will, of best players to never win a ring of any sport. Frankly, Dan Marino is one of those pillars for sure. Led every statistical category before Brett Favre broke it or Drew Brees broke it or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers broke it. So he really set the bar in an era. You mentioned the 80s and the 90s was run, 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 pass on third and long is basically what it was. And they were chucking it. One of the best football lives, if you ever watch that on Football Network, the the football life behind the scenes, one of the best ones, in my opinion, was Dan Marino. Just seeing his upbringing at Pitt um, and how he came into the league and was just kind of this, he, he, you know, it's kind of the same vibe that I'm getting um, from from, uh, Lawrence coming in here. Just kind of that sunshine character (laughs) from, uh, from, you know, um, remember the Titans or something like yeah. that. Just a totally, totally different player than what is the custom right now. Um, so looking forward to that. Dan Marino, great call. I'm going to look, I'm going to go and the other one, and maybe the name that most people think about when you think like top fantasy quarterback all time, I would, I would imagine if you ask a hundred people, 95 people are going to mention Michael Vick. And we don't talk about his off the field things. You know, I've been through this with Kareem Hunt and Tyree Kill and all these other clowns, Ray Rice and stuff. We talk football on the field here. Michael Vick as an athlete, absolutely phenomenal. And look, Lamar Jackson, absolutely unreal. Not quite Michael Vick in some instances. What Michael Vick had was an absolute cannon of a, of a gun. Now, Lamar Jackson gets a couple passes every once in a while, but basically if somebody's not deep for a bomb, it's not going to happen. Mike Vick could run around 30 yards, plant his feet and huck at 70. And you just don't see that. Frankly, I think Kyler Murray is probably the closest ability wise, but Michael Vick just did things on the football field. I've never seen anybody else do in both sides, passing and running uh, absolutely phenomenal. Of course, changed the entire uh kind of landscape of Atlanta football, um, which was at the highest peak when Deion Sanders came in, they had a low for a little bit. Mike Vick comes in, then they do it all over again. Um, so Mike Vick is my number one fantasy quarterback, a quick story. I've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast, but I can't get over it. We used to play in my home league. We used to play uh, one point per completion um, in these leagues. We also had bonus points for 40 and 50 yard touchdown runs and passes. Well, one night, uh, Monday Night Football, I believe they were playing. Um, it was it was an NFC East game, so it was either the Redskins at the time or the the uh, Giants. I can't remember, but the Eagles. When he was on the Eagles, he goes up, he scores six touchdowns, he threw for over four hundred yards, blah blah blah. He scored ninety four fantasy points for me in this particular league. It was absolutely phenomenal. Mike Vick was just one of the most fun players to see transcended the game, changed the game. And of course, before everything went down with his off the field stuff, he really was the face 
of uh, the NFL at the time. So Mike Vick is my number one quarterback. Who is your number two quarterback? I love that Vick call. I, I, I nearly put Vick on here, um, but I zigged here, okay? And, and I did this partly for you, um, but just partly because as I started digging in, it was this guy just kept coming up and kept coming up. I'm going to, this is the oldest player on my list. Played between 1946 and 1952, San Francisco quarterback, Frankie Albert. Okay, that's who I picked as my number two. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Okay, obviously it was a different era, much shorter seasons. We're talking nine game seasons, far fewer pass attempts. Frankie Albert averaged 223 pass attempts a season, and he was in the top five every year that he played. Okay, so it's not 600 attempts. But but listen, man. 7.4% touchdown rate over his career is the second best of all time, only behind my Chicago boy, Sid Luckman. Um, 7.4% touchdown rate. If you project that over like 525 pass attempts, which would be pretty average in today's NFL, his career average would be 39 touchdowns a year on average over eight seasons. Okay. That's insane. Uh, But add to that, Add to that, in in your Mike Vick vein, um, he was the OG rushing quarterback back in the day. Top three every single year in rushing yards. He averaged four touchdowns per season on the ground. Remember, they only played nine games. He had an eight-touchdown rushing season, again, on just nine games. Um, Dude, again, if you project that out, man, we're looking at double-digit touchdowns to go with his 39-touchdown average through the air. 42 punts per season, by the way, um, not not too bad. He had an extra point kick that he made. Uh, he had six kick or punt returns in his career. Did a little bit of everything, but this dude was chucking it around better than anybody else in his time and running the ball before quarterbacks really ran the ball. I think in today's NFL, this guy's numbers would be through the damn roof. Frankie Albert, baby. So... For everybody that wants to go out there like myself and wants a Frankie Albert 49ers <laughs> jersey, nice. make sure you hit up Pristing, Prist, you know, go out here. So here's the, Frankie Albert. Now, of course, you might think Joe Montana, Steve Young, of course, Colin Kaepernick. No, it's it's Frankie Albert. I agree with you. Y.A. Tittle is on there as well for the 49ers. So make sure you hit up uh, the Jersey Jungle to get yourself a Frankie Albert jersey. Love that call. Waited, waited deep dive. My second quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, and it, it's, it's kind of, again, I tried to go back a little bit, but he's been around long enough at this point, along with some other, you know, we're going to have, again, I'm going to throw out a couple honorable mentions here. Aaron Rodgers, for me, has just been consistent. In his non-injury seasons, he's been at least top seven at quarterback, which has been absolutely phenomenal. He has enough rushing upside to get a couple rushing touchdowns. He's constantly up in the top in the NFL uh, in throwing touchdowns. We know how consistent he has been over his years. I'm going to get into my receivers later, but a little bit of a spoiler alert. He generally has a guaranteed lock number one wide receiver for many, many years. Uh, It was Jordy Nelson. Of course, now it's Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers, for me, is my second quarterback. And I went kind of back and forth with this. And I'd like to kind of hear your your case, Dewey's, before we get into running backs. I went with Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers officially, but right behind him or right with him, uh, all-time fantasy quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and then Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. All those guys constantly in the top of the NFL. Of course, all of them. I mean, 
Tom Brady in 2007, 2011, Peyton Manning in 2013, Drew Brees for about eight years in a row when he was the only one thrown for 4,000 passing yards and then the only one thrown for 5,000 passing yards. These guys have been absolutely phenomenal, but they've all had dips. And I don't see, unless he's been injured, Aaron Rodgers having a dip lower than QB7. And of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, those kind of guys, not yet. So I went with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Um, how do you feel about kind of the newer guys here of, of those names or anybody else? Who would you put in that second slot? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. Uh, you, you made the right call there with Aaron Rodgers. Look, Peyton Manning had a 55-yard touchdown season. That's by far and away the best there's ever been. Like you said, Brees was chucking it 4,000 yards before it was cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, you don't see the dips from Rodgers. Rodgers doesn't turn the ball over. That's a consistent stat mm-hmm. for him. Over mm-hmm. the course of his career, if you're going to pick one of those guys, it's him. Any of those guys could finish better than him in a season or a week, but um, he, they could also finish lower than him relatively simply. So, yeah, I, I, you probably picked the right one, even though they're all really right there. They're all in that same tier, same class as far as if you look at like their best years for sure. Got it. All right, man, we have four running backs to get into. So for sake of time, why don't you list off all four of your running backs and then try to blaze through maybe one or two uh, pokes for each of them. And then this is where we're going to probably start getting into some of the similar names, getting through uh, four running backs and six receivers. So I'll let you go first. Give us your four all-time fantasy running backs and then give us maybe a nugget or two for each of them. Sure. Um, first one had to be LT, LaDainian Tomlinson. He's the fantasy GOAT best season of all time, 33 touchdowns in 2006. And most people would tell you it's 31, but they forget that he threw for two touchdowns in that season. Um, just insane. Quick side note, eight for 12, 143 yards, seven touchdowns in his passing career for a so good. 146.9 passer rating on his career. Super so good. Next one here is Priest Holmes, okay? Back-to-back seasons with at least 24 touchdowns. Only six guys have ever hit that number uh, at all, and he's the only one ever to score 24 touchdowns on the ground twice. Um, so give me that guy. Um, this one, this next one, I know you have him as well. It's Marshall Falk. He was, like you said, he, he, he caught balls before it was the cool thing to do. Five seasons in a row with at least 80 catches one of only two guys ever to go a thousand and a thousand thousand yards rushing thousand yards receiving um so give me a guy like that for fantasy purposes all day my last running back another old name 1957 to 1965 it is probably the best running back of all time i'm picking jim brown okay they only played 12 or 14 games um in over his career it was 12 for some 14 for others but uh absolute stud even in short time he is the only guy to go over 100 yards per game as an average for his entire career okay despite playing less games um he only failed to hit a thousand yards two times and in those those seasons he went 942 and 996 again that's in 12 games okay he scored more than 15 touchdowns four times topped out at 21 touchdowns in 14 games. Uh, this guy is absolutely the best running back to ever play the game. That's there's, there's no doubt about it in my mind. I love that Jim Brown call, um, man. Okay. So I'll get into my four here. Cause you mentioned a couple of my guys, so we'll make it quick. Um, 
and I, I didn't really rank them as far as like my number one, number two, number three. I just kind of put them on the list here. But you mentioned Marshall Falk. You mentioned LaDainian Tomlinson. That's my one and two in whichever order uh, you want to go at. Um, again, they were Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook before <laughs> it was cool. LaDainian Tomlinson, as you mentioned, I mean, could run for 100 yards, could receive for 100 yards. Marshall Falk with that greatest show on turf with the Rams, absolutely phenomenal. And let's not forget, he was doing it with the Colts before that as well. Shouts out to Edger and James, another name that could be on there, uh, but didn't quite play long enough for me to do that. You mentioned Priest Holmes. I love that call. I considered him, but because it's like all-time fantasy team in my mind, there has to be some longevity built in here a little bit. So Priest Holmes had two of the best running back seasons of all time. Um, Terrell Davis also did, but they only had those couple years due to injuries or elsewhere. So I went with another chief battled injuries his entire career, but he played long enough for me to feel good about it. And he was one of those guys. If you drafted him on your fantasy team and he stayed healthy, you knew he could win you a week every week. That's Jamal Charles. Absolutely. Absolutely phenomenal. Love Jamal Charles on my lineups, uh, forever. And then the other guy is going to be kind of, this is one of those like him or, you know, one or the other it's Adrian Peterson, for my first, you know, six, seven years of playing football. And it's Alvin Kamara for the last four or five years that I've been playing fantasy football. So eight totally different running backs, but Adrian Peterson, again, when he was in his heyday rushing for 200 yards, like it's nobody's business. He was Derrick Henry, right? Didn't catch the ball. Didn't matter running over everybody. He had the record for uh, most yards, um, multiple times. He kept beating his own record, which is absolutely insane. Of course, the 2,000-yard season came back from a torn ACL and broke the uh, uh, it went over 2,000 yards. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal running back. Adrian Peterson back in his heyday, primarily with the Vikings, and of course, Alvin Kamara, we all know currently, but he's just my favorite running back to watch. Yep. Now, Barry Sanders should be on this list, and he is in spirit. When I started looking at numbers, though, the weird thing about Barry Sanders is that, yes, he ran for 100 yards almost every week. But when he didn't run for 100 yards, he ran for like nine yeah. because they were so bad. And he would run Barry Sanders. I, I forget the stat right now, but there's a number out there you can find somewhere of the amount of yards Barry Sanders ran behind the line of scrimmage. And it's so far and beyond anybody else that's ever played the game. What I'm saying is he went one direction, got blown up, had to go the extra direction, got blown up, had to spin, break six tackles, and get a gain of three. He did that too often, so in fantasy, it didn't really work out. Now, NFL, he's my, he's my number one running back right there with uh, Jim Brown and Earl Campbell personally. But for fantasy, I'm going to lean with the other guys, Alvin Kamara, Adrian Peterson. There's another couple guys you mentioned, Marshall Falk, um, one of the uh, only guys to go 1,000-1,000. Uh, CMC, of course, did it last year. The first one to do it, though, my man Roger Craig for the Ooh. 49ers back in the day. I got to throw Tech a shout mobile, out. Baby. Gotta throw, thank you. I got to throw a shout out to my man, Roger Craig. Again, pretty kind of a short career. Bo Jackson, of course, same things. Incredible athlete, short careers. A couple honorable mentions that have to be on the list here. Arian Foster, unbelievable for a few years. Todd Gurley, of course, what he did a couple years ago. CMC and what he should continue to do for another couple of years. And I got to throw a shout out to my man, Darren Sproles. He never necessarily won you a league, but he was a 10th round pick his entire career in fantasy. Kick returns, punt returns, receiving back, squirrely, scored touchdowns, caught the ball. Excellent running back for Darren Sproles. So minor, Marshall Falkland, Daniel Thomas, and Jamal Charles. And I'm going to lean 
probably Adrian Peterson for longevity, but of course, love my man, Alvin Kamara. Let's get into six wide receivers here, man. Uh, why don't we do three at a time here so we can break it up a little bit. Give me your top three, give me a nugget, and then I'll go. All right, so I'm sure we will cross over on some of these, but um, Randy Moss right there, okay? One of only two guys um, to have a, a 20 receiving touchdown season. One of only two guys in the top 10 receiving touchdown seasons more than one time. He did it three times. He landed in the top 10. The other guy, the other of the two is Jerry Rice. He's got to be there too. Also, uh, one of only two guys to have 20 uh, touchdowns in a season. One of only two guys to be in the top 10 more than once. He did it twice. Um, Jerry Rice does, though, by the way, beat Moss in 15 plus touchdown seasons. He had four to Moss, or he had five to Moss's four. But these two guys are head and shoulders above just about anybody else in the pantheon of great wide receivers. My number three, who it it's tough to put him in the same category as these other guys, but I'm going to take Marvin Harrison here. Um, eight seasons in a row with a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. You know, if I'm looking for a fantasy guy, that's consistency, baby. Uh, until 2019, you know, we held the record for the most receptions in a year till, till Michael Thomas steps up with 143. So he was doing work for a long time with Peyton Manning there. And uh, I, I love that. I loved him when I had him on my fantasy teams. Cause I did plenty of times. Love this dude. Honestly, those are my top three. Nice. And I mean, Jerry Rice, of course, but I'll throw another name in here just because Jerry Rice is so automatic in these kind of conversations, Randy Moss. Absolutely. And believe it or not, I also have, Marvin Harrison on the list here. You're right. The eight years is just too. What he and Peyton Manning did with the Colts was absolutely phenomenal and kind of honorable mention there. Great teammate and Reggie Wayne. He was a great uh, fantasy asset for a long time as well. But Marvin Harrison, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice on the list. I had all three as well. Biggest thing for Randy Moss for me did it as a rookie as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Rice has all the records, but he also did it for longevity. And Marvin Harrison kept his mouth shut his entire career, did his job. One of my favorite players uh, all time. Give me your next three um, wide receivers. Okay. So these is, this is where I had to make some decisions, right? Those three guys were going to make it. The first two, obviously were going to make it, but these three, I had some decisions to make. Uh, first one I, I chose here is Chris Carter. Okay. Another guy with eight seasons in a row, over a thousand yards up there in, in Minnesota. Uh, in five of those seasons, he had he averaged 13 touchdowns and had at least 10 in each of those five. Uh, he had two top 10 seasons with at least 120 receptions uh, in each. So uh, Chris Carter, another guy who I, you'll see a trend here. I'm looking for guys that were consistently really fucking good. Like I didn't necessarily for my next few pick the guys with the single biggest ceiling season. I wanted guys that did it year over year over year. And Chris Carter, um, you know, unsung sort of hero in the NFL, I think for a lot of people, lesser known certainly than the guys we've listed already, but he he's about in the same category as Marvin Harrison for me. Next up, we're getting into the newer guys in the league still today. Now I got to pick Antonio Brown, mostly because in my home league, we had a one player keeper league for a long time. And I had Antonio Brown on my team for six years in a row. And all six of the seasons I had him, he had a hundred catches, 1200 yards, and at least eight touchdowns. He averaged Oof. 11 touchdowns a season in that time. That is insane, right? So I'll take that. Um, two seasons in the top five in receptions as well, just like uh, Chris Carter up there, but the consistency on those guys was was too good. My last one here, and this this one, this is the guy that on this entire list took me the longest to pick because I only had one spot left. 
Um, I ended up going with the guy that never lets you down. The guy that would literally uh, get out there Cole Beasley style and play on broken bones to win your fucking games for you when it counted. I picked Terrell Owens, man. So uh, Big upside, and we did it with multiple teams for a long time. Yeah, yep. Four seasons with at least 14 touchdowns. Only Jerry Rice has four seasons with 14 touchdowns. He had six, right? Third uh, all-time in receiving touchdowns. Third all-time in receiving yards. Look, he's third all-time in receiving touchdowns. He only has one less than Randy Moss, and he only played in one more game than Randy Moss. T.O. was a fucking stud. They played at the same time for a lot of their careers, and I think a lot of people thought Moss was just a lot better than T.O., but that's just not the case. Like, the statistics don't hash that out. Third in all-time receiving yards. Um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice, the only two higher on this list. His average season line over his career, 72 catches, 1,062 yards, and 10 touchdowns. That's a fantastic line over the course of a long career. Averaging 10 touchdowns is unbelievable. All right, we mentioned Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and Marvin Harrison, top three. My next three, I've got to go with Megatron. I can't have a list of anything to do with receivers without mentioning Megatron. I also have Antonio Brown, same reasons for you. Um, in fantasy, he's got to be on there. And then as much, what's frustrating when you think about fantasy is there's pro- like Terrell Owens for fantasy purposes is probably a better wide receiver to put on this list than a guy like Calvin Johnson because Calvin Johnson didn't score the touchdowns that he should have. Yeah. Julio Jones also does not score the touchdowns that he should but we all know what Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones can do without the touchdowns. These guys are perennially top five when they're right. Obviously Julio unfortunately might be over the hump at this point. We see it with pretty much everybody at some level, but Julio Jones has been absolutely top five in every fantasy category. Him and AB were going back and forth for, for like five years in a row with receptions and receiving yards. Of course, Antonio Brown though, blowing him out of the water in Uh, touchdowns so he would generally be higher than Julio Jones but Julio and Calvin Johnson still in the top five perennially for fantasy wide receivers without those big time touchdown numbers if you gave guys like Megatron and Julio AB's touchdowns or Randy Moss's touchdowns or even averaged something like Marvin Marvin Harrison's 10 I mean it's not even a question right these guys would what they could do with the deep ball take a slant to the house uh, possession receivers PPR guys um, hyper-targeted, of course, for years uh, from Matt Ryan to Matt Stafford. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal wide receivers I've had on my fantasy teams for shit. I mean, you know, pretty much 15 years all told between Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. Julio Jones, and Antonio Brown. Now, another kind of alternate I want to throw out there. I've got a bunch of wide receivers that I put out alternates just to give a shout out and throw some names on there. But it's the Green Bay wide receiver pretty much since Aaron Rodgers took over. So it's Jordy Nelson and then Devontae Adams. You knew that you could draft those guys early and they were going to produce as long as they and Aaron Rodgers stayed healthy. Sure enough, they did. Also want to give a quick shout out to Andre Johnson, longtime Texan, kept his mouth shut. Nobody even fucking knew who he was in the league because he kept his mouth shut and the Texans were horrible, but he was always very, very, very good for fantasy. Demarius Thomas with the Broncos and Peyton Manning for a couple of years, phenomenal. Tyree Kill, obviously, currently. Mike Evans, seven straight 1,000-yard uh, receiving 
seasons, also double digit touchdowns in more than half of those. And then shouts out to the over the middle guys, right? Like Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, of course, for a long time, Heinz Ward back in the day, Larry Fitzgerald, some of those PPR guys. So lots of receivers to mention, but Randy Moss, uh, Marvin Harrison, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and of course, Jerry Rice for me. Now for the tight ends, I don't think there's... Let me let me let me just go, go those for a second. You mentioned Heinz Heinz Ward is absolutely one of my favorite NFL players of all time. Mm-hmm. What a fucking stud! Um, and and Megatron Calvin Johnson was the guy that I was going back and forth with To um, for a while for. But for the same reasons as uh, that we didn't pick Barry Sanders, it's just the it's just a Detroit thing, right? The teams were totally so get it. Bad. Um, that I, I, I just couldn't take bring myself to put them on there because they, they didn't have the scoring opportunities, like you said. But it's the Detroit curse here for fantasy football today, I think. Totally get it. And it's going to get a lot worse when Matt Stafford leaves. Oh, yeah. All right. I don't think there's as much of a conversation at the tight end position, but let's have it. I'll let you go first. Give me both tight ends and uh, maybe a nugget or two if you need to. Sure. Um, I've, I, everybody knows who my first name is going to be. It's Travis Kelsey. First tight end in history with multiple 100 catch seasons. Averages 102 catches when Mahomes has thrown the ball over the last three years. But look, he was a stud before Mahomes. His line with Mahomes, his, his season line, average season line is 102, 1,327 yards and nine touchdowns. Before Mahomes came, his average line was 86 catches, 1,094 and six touchdowns. He is incredible, and he has finished as the tight end one every year since 2016. And like, it doesn't get better than Travis Kelsey. You can go back to 1909, and it doesn't get better than Travis Kelsey. As much as I'd like to put Ditka on this list, the other guy for me, uh, Tony Gonzalez. Yummy. Again, it was a different time. Tony Gonzalez was the absolute tight end stud. Played for 17 years. Missed. Two games in 17 years. Talk about reliability for a long time. His career average line, 81 catches, 929, and seven touchdowns. It was a different era of football. Tight ends were not used when Tony Gonzalez played the way that tight ends like Travis Kelsey are used now. If you put Gonzalez on a team today, I think he could match Kelsey's numbers easily. Um, He was just always on the field. He was just always totally consistent. And and you know what? Over 17 years, he didn't even fall off. If his average line was 81 catches, 929 and seven touchdowns in his final season, his line was 83 catches, 859 and eight touchdowns for an entire 17 year career. This guy was a goddamn stud. I would actually take, if you just go apples to apples and you put Travis, like if you put Tony Gonzalez in his prime on the chiefs right now and remove Travis Kelsey, I would argue that Tony Gonzalez might end up better than Travis Kelsey. Athletically, athletically, I don't think it's competition. Like a lot of these tight ends, a lot of these tight ends were basketball players in college, right? And they're just, they're too big to play receiver. They're too athletic to play offensive line or defense. And they have hands and quickness and good body. So they become tight ends. He was a great player at Cal as a, as a, uh, uh, basketball player of course his signature dunk was his his touchdown celebration forever so I would argue Tony Gonzalez is better in this day and age than Travis Kelsey but you're right uh was kind of before his time now Travis Kelsey and and Tony Gonzalez two phenomenal fantasy tight ends coincidentally 
from the same team, the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been pretty locked at that position for 30 years. I got to throw out a shout out because people listening to this are like, what about Gronk? What about Antonio Gates? I'm going to, I'm going to just for sake of conversation, I totally agree with you, but I'm going to throw a shout out to Gronk as well. Look, Tony Gonzalez was dominant, um, but he wasn't like fantasy football wasn't quite ready for Tony Gonzalez. Rob Gronkowski came in and what he did when he was healthy for the five, six, eight years there, minus a couple injury seasons, he became the first kind of like surefire guaranteed production at, at tight end in the first round. So now people are like, is Travis Kelsey really a first rounder? Like don't reach. It's like, dude, if you've been playing longer than three years, Rob Gronkowski was a first round pick for five, yeah. you know, like that's not, <laughs> that's not super unheard of a couple of years ago. It's unheard of now, but Gronk made that a thing. Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, what they did for the decade before they both, well, Brady's fucking unbelievable. And Gronk actually looks good enough for now. But when he was in his prime, they were phenomenal. I'm going to give a shout out to Gronk, of course. And then likewise, Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates kind of falls behind these three guys whenever you talk about tight ends. But what he and Phillip Rivers did for so long, again, on really good but not good enough San Diego Charger teams, uh, I think goes under the radar. Again, another basketball player, uh, Kent State, I believe. Um, phenomenal athlete though Antonio Gates belongs on the all-time fantasy tight ends list uh, if there's four names on it he's on there absolutely I want to give another shout out what they say about Kent State right no idea they say can't read can't write can't state never mind go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. fair enough fair enough I get it <laughs> I want to give a quick shout out uh, to some honorable mentions who could arguably be on this list, depending on which seasons you look at Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson, Greg Olson, just announcing his retirement. I expect Jimmy Graham to probably do the same thing as well. Um, Two of these guys were again, up there with Gronkowski for many years, first round picks. Jimmy Graham was a couple of times, Greg Olson, kind of a third, fourth rounder, but with Cam Newton for years, he was basically another wide receiver um, on a team with no weapons. And Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees were absolutely phenomenal. Then he went over to Aaron Rodgers and he went over to Russell Wilson. And now, of course, uh, the incredible Mitch Trubisky as well to finish out his career. So phenomenal tight ends. Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson. Now let's get into DST and kicker. And it's kind of silly that we mentioned this, but you do play in most leagues. And I want to give a shout out to DSTs and kickers. Um, again, I will let you go, uh, first here, who is your DST? Now I will tell you, and and you didn't have to do this. I didn't give you any, we didn't have any uh, disclaimers at all. So pick whoever you want. Uh, there's obviously been many, many, many incredible defensive teams, 85 bears, 2000 Buccaneers last year's 49ers. Um, or or I should say, sorry, last year's 49ers and, and, and the Patriots as well and blah, blah, blah. But I, I looked for like a five-year section for fantasy purposes. Like they were good, and then you drafted them too high, and then they still produced. That's who I was trying to find. So who is your all-time fantasy DST? I didn't do that. I went for the best season um, I could find one season off. I don't even know how these guys did otherwise because it was before I was alive. Uh, I'm picking the 1961 San Diego Chargers. Love okay. it. First of all, I, I, I'll say this about defenses. I don't give a shit about how many points are scored against my fantasy defense. For me, it's always all about positive 
point production, okay? Positive point production. Turn the ball over, uh, get to the quarterback, score touchdowns if you can. I, I don't care if you, they score 49 against my defense every week. If they can get to that quarterback, I'm scoring points. So the San Diego Chargers in 1961 played in only 14 games, 14-game season. And in that 14 games, they had 42 sacks, which is a nice number. That's three sacks every single game. But they had the most interceptions ever recorded by a team. They had 49 interceptions in 14 <laughs> games. Okay? 15 forced fumbles. They scored nine defensive touchdowns. <laughs> they scored 16 fantasy points every single week in that season. That's that's their floor. Okay? If I could get a 16-point floor, yeah, I'm taking a 16-point floor. Um, and I said I don't, I don't care if teams score points against my defense but that 1961 chargers defense only gave up 15 and a half points per game all season led that my year goodness. quick side note in my research here i found out that the 1920 akron pros the name of the team was the akron pros they played an 11 game season and they gave up seven points all year total total Solid. the really the really fucked up part is that they tied three games. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> 61 San Diego Chargers as as my fantasy defense for the win. I love that pick. And if you're going to go with a single performance of a DST, I didn't do that. I went with the five, a five-game stretch, which I'll get into in a second. Um, now, again, 85 Bears. You have the Patriots and the Niners from last year. Excellent. I'm going to lean with the 0-2 Buccaneers. Uh, Derek Brooks alone set the record for the most defensive touchdowns by a single player that year, went up against the Raiders, John Gruden, of course, with the Bucks, win that Super Bowl. Um, that defense, what, they were my favorite not 49er team, Mike Allstott, Warwick Dunn, um, yeah. all that, de that defense. John Lynch, uh, Warren Sapp, of course, Simeon Rice, Rondé Barber goes up and out. Booger McFarland, by the way, shouts out to Boog. Um, incredible, incredible defense. So the O2 Bucks are going to give, they would be my one. If I had one team for DST, uh, I would ride out the O2 Bucks. Now, because I went with five years, I found a section here of the Ravens who pretty much could be on this list at any given time, but they did have a couple down years once Ed Reed and Ray Lewis left for a while. Uh, T sizzle Terrell Suggs wasn't quite himself for that couple of years. So they rebounded in 2016. They were the DST in 2016, not sexy, but <clears throat> came back after that. DST number two in 17, five in 18, four in 19, and four this year. What's most impressive is if you remember the middle part of the season here, they their entire team had COVID for like a month straight. They were terrible. They were playing tr like third stringers all over the field. Lamar Jackson was out. They were getting run up and down the field still finished fourth overall. The Ravens have been phenomenal forever. Uh, there will be another top uh, DST pick. You can always guarantee sacks. You can always guarantee low scoring on them. You can also guarantee turnovers and the occasional touchdown as well. The Ravens have to be my DST. Who is your kicker? And then we'll get a big recap. Love it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take just the best kicker probably of all time. Still playing today is Justin Tucker. Um, this dude averages 32 field goals per year, which, by the way, would be top five in every single one of his individual seasons. That's his average. Most accurate kicker of all time, 90.654% accuracy, not even to mention um, due to stud on the deep ball has been for years. So it's Tucker. 
Totally agree. I also put down Justin Tucker as well. 2016 to 2020, he was a top seven kicker every single season. Obviously, as you mentioned, he's got the 50 plus yard boot for the five points. And then, of course, shouts out to Stephen Guskowski and Ed, uh, Adam Vinatieri for those many years with the Patriots and that high powered offenses and then the Colts as well. I have to mention this um, every time we mention Justin Tucker, it's my lady's favorite player. But he also, in addition to being the best kicker of all time, um, he uh, sings opera in mm. seven different languages. Jesus. Very, very good. I highly recommend two YouTube videos you have to check out. When you're scouting rookies this year, you're looking yeah. at game film. You're checking out the OG guys like we just mentioned, right? You want to go back and figure out who the fuck some of these guys that Dwayne's bringing up. You're looking them up on YouTube. Don't forget to check out two NFL kind of videos here that bring in music as well. Number one, Cole Beasley freestyle. Absolutely fire. Le'Veon Bell's a fucking clown. Damian Lillard gets a lot of hype too. Cole Beasley's the one you want. Go check out Cole Beasley freestyle. I promise you, you will enjoy it. Secondly, Justin Tucker singing opera. The dude is absolutely phenomenal. Very, very impressive. So Justin Tucker, both of our kicker. All right, Dewey's the moment of truth. Why don't you lay down your entire roster one more time? The dream team fantasy all-time team. Go for it. Yeah, um, I can absolutely do that for you. At quarterback, I got Dan Marino and Frankie Albert at the running back spot. LT, Priest Holmes, Marshall Falk, and Jim Brown. Wide receivers are going to be Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, Chris Carter, Antonio Brown, and T.O. Terrell Owens. At tight end, Travis Kelsey and Tony Gonzalez, the greatest scoring defense of all time, the 1961 San Diego Chargers. Uh, and then my kicker is going to be Justin Tucker for the 55-yard booming win. Fantastic. My team, Michael Vick and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jamal Charles, and Adrian Peterson. But I also love me some Alvin Kamara as well at running back. Wide receiver, Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Jerry Rice, of course. But I'll throw in that Packers wide receiver for the last 15 years, Jordy Nelson slash Devontae Adams. Tight end, for sake of conversation, I will also give a shout out to Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Gates. I have the Ravens from 2016 to present for my DST, and I also have the present modern-day kicker, Justin Tucker, as my all-time kicker. Dude, this was a lot of fun. I want to do it with the other guys. I want to maybe recap this and do it all over again as a big group and see if we come up <laughs> with the same names. I love that you uh, went way deep in the archives. There's another lot. I mean, again, Gail Sayers is a rookie, scored six touchdowns against my Niners. There are some incredible players that we could have brought up here if we really turn back the clock. So I would love to do this again. Maybe it'd be fun if all of us just took a decade nice. and then we made the best fantasy team out of that decade. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a cool uh, project to, to break up the numbers and the analytics. Uh, we, get, we get pretty nerdy here on the podcast. We enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. We love that shit. But I think stuff like this is also just kind of fun and entertaining and people can make their own. So TCK Potters, come up with your own dream team, your own all-time fantasy team. Look, if you're 20 years old right now and you've been playing for five or six years, make a dream team of the, of the guys that you've been playing with. If you're 45, 50 years old, you've been playing for 30 plus years, make a team of that as well, dating back to the 80s. We would love to see it. Make sure you send those to us. Screenshot, send a DM to us on Instagram 
at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Of course, you can hit up Dweez on Twitter, Dweez Nuts, all Z's, no S's. Y'all know the drill. Make sure to send it up to. We got two quarterbacks, four running backs, six receivers, two tight ends, a DST, and a kicker. We want to see your favorite all time dream team fantasy lineup. We would love to see those and then we can compare them as well. Dewey, it's always a pleasure, man. We're going to get at it tomorrow. You have your own episode tomorrow, breaking down the stat rat uh, explanation, how you go about that, how you get into things, answering some questions. Love that. I'm really looking forward to that episode. After that, Lucas and I are going to get into the zero RB approach, recap it from last year. Are we going to try it again this year? We'll see what happens. And then Bobby and I will get into our perfect mock draft once again at the end of the week. Hope you all enjoyed the conference championship games gearing up for the Super Bowl in two weeks. We have this weekend off. Dweez, no football this week, at least NFL football. What do you have planned? I don't have any idea. I've been racking my brain and I can't think of what to do to, to spend my time. Maybe I'll play Roblox and Minecraft with my kids. Love it. Spend Maybe some time I'll with parent. the family. Maybe I'll parent a little bit, Sky. <laughs> I don't do it a lot, but sometimes... Let's, let's, uh, you know, let's not get crazy. Maybe just, you know, an hour or two of parenting, <laughs> you, but, you know, like, yeah, yeah. But you can slip it in. Maybe, you know, give the wife a five minute breather. Uh, there if you, you can. So I, I appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure, brother. We'll do it again. TCK Potters. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Go check out the Jersey jungle on Instagram for your custom jerseys, your favorite players. Get one of these all time greats as well. Hit up my man, Jersey jungle Mention TCK and get yourself 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. We'll catch you next time. Episode 351 in the books. Enjoy your week, y'all. Make the most of it. Dweez Nuts coming up in a solo mission next episode. For my man, Dweez, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.